Hey, Jared here. Just want to mention a couple things real quick before we get to this interview, which I think you're really, really going to enjoy. Number one, I have to begrudgingly thank Jay, our guy Jay, mediocre Jay, for having the idea for this interview. He texted me. He's like, hey, you should get the, you know, you should reach out to the guy who wrote the article uh, on Kalel Ware, see if he wants to come in. So I did. Uh, and then very, very obviously appreciative that Nate Olson, uh, you know, quick turnaround uh, writer in Arkansas, um, agreed to come on and share his time with us and his insight on Kalil Ware. Uh, so appreciate that and appreciate Jay's idea, a very good idea, not a mediocre one, a very good one. So kudos to Jay. Uh, and also, of course, have to remind you to go check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. It's homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. I saw the alert come out earlier this week that they're doing you know refreshes for a bunch of schools. I think Baylor's getting a refresh. Texas, I think, is getting a refresh. They're dropping new schools. Northern Iowa, uh, I just saw. And they've you know just constantly got new stuff coming out. And so... You want to make sure that you're following them on social media. You can also sign up for text messages. You know, you can get emails uh, and make sure that you go in uh, and you know sign up so that you can start racking up points too. Because every time you purchase something, you get points, and then if you get enough points, you get gift cards. Uh, you know, so I've, I mean, goodness gracious, actually, it'd be kind of embarrassing if I told you how much <laughs> I've spent there, but I now have some free gear coming to me. So home field, they do like to pay you back, uh, for your loyalty. And so if you're on home field a lot and you're spending money, you're racking up points and then you can get free stuff to go get yourself another hoodie, go get yourself another crew neck, a shirt. Um, but we love home field apparel. It's high quality stuff. The designs are just great and inspired. Uh, and they're just a great company to support Indiana based. They employ a lot of folks in Indianapolis, uh, and they do things the right way. So homefieldapparel.com promo code home. And now let's get on with the show. You're listening to the back home network presented by Homefield apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this special edition of the Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris, and I'm very pleased today to be joined by Nate Olson, who covers Arkansas high school sports for SB Live Sports, and who wrote a piece on best of Arkansas sports that has made its way around IU Hoop Circle since the commitment of Kalil Ware on Monday. The piece is titled, Accusations of Laziness, Dogging Indiana Commit Kalil Ware, deserve deeper look and Nate is here to help us take that deeper look right now. Nate, thank you so much for joining us on the assembly call. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Jared, my pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. And you know, we were just talking before, uh, you've got some Midwest roots up there in Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. and as an Iowa state fan, you dislike Iowa. And so you have that in common with a lot of the people <laughs> Something we have here. in common, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, grew up in Iowa and, at that time was a lot easier to get Hawkeye games in the eighties than it was to get Iowa state. So just being a sports fan, watch a lot of Iowa games rooted against them, but always liked Iowa basketball a lot better than football. Um, yes. Tom Davis, who I got to meet and interview later in life, great guy. And, and like those teams, they had some good battles with Bobby Knight and remember and liked they Bob did. Knight a lot too. Read, read several of his books. And um, so, yeah, really, really, the Big Ten in the 80s and 90s, a lot into that. Then I moved south and still still keep an eye on the Big Ten and the Hawkeyes um, and Cyclones in the Big 12, but really immersed in the SEC now. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I thought thought this was very interesting, the developments that happened last week with Kalel and uh, interested to talk about that. But, yeah, Indiana, great basketball state, great tradition and – uh, being a basketball guy, you know, I don't think it gets much better than than Indiana. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Kalel and let's go back to his days as a prep player because you know it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, reading one of the other articles that you wrote for SB Live Sports, you know, a lot of the same questions about motor and effort and some of that stuff were you know yeah. asked of him back then, even in high school. So, what do IU fans need to know uh, about his high school career? Well. I think the big thing that that they need to know that was mentioned in that story was 
his junior year, late in the year, his coach, Johnny Rice, who after the championship run last year, they won back-to-back championships. He's very successful in 10 years there at North Little Rock, uh, had been an assistant and been been at North Little Rock most of his career, played there, but he just uh, retired. I think he's going to come back at some point. But um, after that junior year, or at the end of the junior year, he t- he kind of told Khalil, pulled him into his office and said, man, if you can just turn it up a little bit, you're going to make generational money. And, you know, being a 17-year-old kid, I don't think he really knew what that meant. And he kind of broke it down to him and said, millions of dollars are yours if you can, you know, turn it up a little bit, the effort. And I think the big thing with him, you know, in talking with Rice his senior year was, I don't think this is a situation where, you know, he's lazy. It's it's a situation where it's it's an intensity thing. He's a very, you know, laid back kind of um, quiet guy. And so it, it's not, I've seen guys in 25 years that they turn it on and off and and they take plays off. And that's part of, you know, maybe being the star player, they take advantage of that. I didn't get the sense of that with him. I think it's part of his demeanor, his nature. And I think that talk went a long way to, he had a terrific state championship run that, you know, after that, his junior year, then his senior year, he, he was sensational. And that was kind of when I, you know, I, I had stepped away from, from really full-time prep work for about six years and was in the public relations field. So I've always had a hand in high school sports since then and uh, have kept an eye on what's going on and, and done some, a lot of football stuff. But when I stepped into the full-time role with SB live, that, that kind of coincided with his senior year. And I really, really focused on him and, and had heard the stuff about the effort. And I watched him very intently about 10 games um, was very impressed with him uh, and the effort. I thought, I thought he played very hard. You know, we, last uh, Christmas before there was a big tournament in Pine Bluff, North Little Rock won it. And that was against some of the premier players in the country uh, stepping out, shooting threes, blocking shots. Uh, he looked the part. I mean, he, he, I looked at him there and I thought, but you know, he's, he's probably an NBA one and done type guy. And then all those accolades came with the McDonald's all American, the uh, hoop summit. And, you know, he got rave reviews and Nick Smith, who has now entered the NBA draft, his teammate there, those two are the only McDonald's All-Americans from the same high school since Odin and uh, Conley uh, in Indianapolis. Yep. Uh, and so that's crazy. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize he played with Nick Smith in high school. God, yes. Imagine yeah, trying Nick to cover those two guys. <laughs> Nick transferred his senior year. And that was a, that, that's a topic for another show. That was a, that was a, a big <laughs> hole of blue that almost didn't happen. Um, there was some, some uh, Arkansas Activities Association rulings and things that had to get uh, worked out at the last, the 11th hour, but it did. And so that was a historic season for both of them. But in some of the postseason workouts, uh, where seemed to get even more, um, you know, positive attention than Nick did. Uh, I, I think being seven feet, and I don't know if you saw some of the photos of him when he, he was in high school, but I really looked. I thought he looked like a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His his uh, when Lou Alcindor. When you looked at him in the '60s when he graduated, the body yeah. type. Um, but the big difference is, you know, Kalel can shoot the three. And so, with all those workouts and everything, I kind of felt like he had turned the corner with some of the motor issues because all the things I read about him, I I, I did not see those workouts, but everything I read was very positive by the NBA scouts and the people that were there, his coaches. So I thought that, you know, Johnny had kind of sparked that flame late in his junior year to where his senior year, I didn't see much of that. And then the, the critics or, you know, the scouts didn't see much of that either. So I really thought that he would go to Oregon um, and perhaps be a one and done player. But like I said, in the, in the column, when Crutchfield, the assistant coach that had been in Arkansas that courted him that left for Omaha last, that last uh, May, that was a big red flag for me because I've been around too long and seen too many kids. Eugene, Oregon's a long ways away from North little rock, literally and figuratively. 
when you have the one guy that you've leaned on that's bringing you there and he leaves, I've seen it too many times where that doesn't work out. And, um, you know, obviously didn't want that to happen for him, but I kind of, you know, I told some people privately, yeah, I don't, I don't feel as good about this now with him with, for him, I think it's going to be more of an uphill challenge and it, and it was, and, you know, I think, uh, both parties said the right things, but it, it appeared at times that maybe, you know, he and, and Dana Altman didn't get along. And I think if you have that conduit there with Crutchfield, things are a little different. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you mentioned in the article, you know, you didn't want to be right about him eventually no. entering the transfer portal. Eventually he did. Um, you know, and that obviously gets, you know, to the story at Oregon and obviously a big part of what went wrong there seems to be that, you know, that assistant coach Crutchfield left. Yeah. You, know, you did, you know, make an interesting point in the article that Kalel, you know, obviously has some responsibility for why it didn't go well too. So, I mean, as you kind of look at that situation, I mean, what is your overall assessment of all the factors why, you know, the Oregon years well, didn't go well? Definitely from the outside looking in here, I, I have no inside information. I haven't talked to him and I haven't talked to anybody at Oregon, but just leaning on my 25 years of covering this stuff, you know, Altman made some kind of, I would say borderline um, inappropriate comments. If I'm a kid, I don't really like those comments to the, to the media. I thought so too. I mean, it, yeah. yeah I, I thought those were, you know, when I saw those, it raised my eyebrows. You know, you can be frustrated with a kid. I mean, I think that happens all the time. And sometimes the kids are at fault, but I don't think you should ever publicly criticize them. I, I just really don't think that. I, I think if I was him and his mom and dad, I'd be upset about that. And, you know, when, when, a, when a person is kind of, and I would call Kalel an introvert, and not in a negative way, but a soft-spoken person who, you know, probably doesn't communicate their feelings a lot, what does that person do? Kind of withdraws and goes into their shell. That probably wasn't a good way to motivate him. You know, Johnny Rice pulled him into his office and said, look, you're, you're going to waste millions of dollars if you don't turn it on. Well, that got his attention. Um, and, and, you know, he, you know, Altman said that he had tried some things and, and that he needed to listen, but you know, what did he do and how did he do it? I, I, it just, it seems to me that the public criticism kind of made it, it made it bad to worse. And I, I don't think that was a good way to go about it. And I, I, I think that from that point on, um, you know, he probably withdrew, didn't play as well in practice. And then that just kind of fit into what Altman already kind of felt and said, we're not, we're not going to play him. So um, that's, that's not, that's not a way I would have thought he would handle that situation. And, um, but, you know, like I said, you are, you know, you're, you're in college. If there is a way that he could have remedied it, I think he needed to, but um, it would be awfully natural. I think for most 19 year old kids, especially if they're more soft-spoken to kind of go into a shell and be upset, to, you know, by the coach. You know, one of the questions I've had, you know, now that we know that he's coming to Indiana and, you know, you, with your background, you know how crazy you know, the people in Indiana are about their basketball and it's quite the fishbowl, you know, in Oregon, it's not quite that way. Football is the main thing. There's not quite as much attention yeah. on basketball. And for a quiet guy who doesn't like attention, you could certainly make the case that that's a good place for him. How do you think he'll handle the additional attention and scrutiny and everything that goes along with playing in Indiana? Well, that's a good, good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think if things are going good, that'll definitely help it. Um, you know, if things are going bad, I, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, that's something that, that Johnny Rice told him too. like, man, the, the better you play, the more attention you're going to get. And people are going to be shoving microphones in your face and you've got to talk. And, you know, I, I think you, you read it in the story. Um, I've got a 14 year old son that follows me around a lot. And he sat in on that interview, you know, his senior year. And I mean, there was a lot of yes and no answers. And, we're on the way home and JD said, how are you going to write that? He didn't give you anything, dad. And he gave me enough. And I think he painted the picture and, you know, talked to Rice and, and Nick Smith. Um, so, uh, you know, I was able to, I think, to portray him pretty well. The things he did say, you know, were, were 
we're good. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely something that I think he's going to have to to grow and mature. And I think maybe being at Oregon and having an experience like that, um, maybe that makes you uh, more grateful for what's going on now. And maybe that wakes you up a little bit to where you know that you're going to have to to step it up and and uh, you know be a little more communicative and and that kind of thing. No doubt, he he did a lot of interviews in Oregon. I'm sure, um, you know, he, he, a lot more than high school, but. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're going to have to to also, you know, be noticed a lot more in public and stuff, probably, and people talking to him. So, yeah, that that's something I think his camp kind of needs to address with him. That you know, you you need to be media friendly and speak up a little more. I know Coach Rice has talked to him about that. I mean, on the bright side, Indiana tends to be very protective of the players when it comes to media obligations. So, you know, in that sense, it may it may help him at least not yeah. give him the full brunt of what it could be. Um, sure. You know, you obviously you go back, you know, a ways having watched him play. And one of the things with big guys that you see sometimes is they get thrust into basketball because they're big, you know, whether they love the game or not, and they're just kind of there playing. Do you get the sense that he you know, loves basketball, uh, you know, cause you know, effort in a game is one thing, but you know, obviously putting in the time in the gym to improve your skills is another. Yeah. Do you get the sense that he's that kind of guy? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. you know, talk to him, him and Nick played on the same youth league team. And Nick said, man, that guy's always been a terror. And, um, you know, he said he always liked to shoot threes even when he was younger. So, um, always been tall. Um, but yeah. And I, and I think, one of the main reasons that he kind of became that McDonald's All-American player is the time he put in the summer before his senior year. I think the talk that he had in March of his junior year, it, it translated into the state championship run over that next couple of weeks into the state championship game and then trickled into the summer. The the camps and the the summer basketball and the the sessions in the gym I think that put him over the hump. So uh, he obviously put a lot of work in because uh, he improved quite a bit his senior year. I mean, I I really, when I watched him, I mean, I thought I'm really watching something special here. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. seen a guy that's seven foot that can move like that, that can block shots on the defensive end. I think he takes a lot of pride in defense. You know, one night they played out here, and I live in the, in the Little Rock suburbs in Bryant, more known for football, but on this night, on a Tuesday, cold Tuesday night, you know, you're on the road. Uh, things weren't going well. Smith wasn't playing very well. They're down at halftime. Bryant, you know, they've got a nice gym uh, and a good crowd. And, you know, when, when when people played North Little Rock, it was kind of their Super Bowl. And so there was a good crowd. A lot of football players there yelling at him and yelling at Nick Smith. And uh, – he he responded with some big rebounds down the stretch and some defensive things that you like to see uh, from a star player. Kind of you know, and, and Nick played really good defense in the fourth quarter. Uh, so that was really kind of the difference in the game. Another guy, the third guy, scored a few more points and and kind of put him over the hump. But the other the superstar guys are doing some of the dirty work in the fourth quarter to eke out this win, and it wasn't pretty, but. You know, you're just you're looking for wins, and on the road, I mean, this is a pretty hostile environment. So, it's little things like that that I picked up on too. There was the the high school or the the Christmas tournament with all the top high schools in the country, where he really put on a show offensively. Uh, and then, you know, on this night, you know, it's a Tuesday night. Bryant's middle of the road. You know, probably a third team in the conference. You're favored to beat them, but on this night, they're playing really well. And you kind of have to, you know, they're a little mosquito and you kind of have to shake them off and they did enough to do it. And, and, and that, but that illustrated to me that, you know, do some of the dirty things uh, and, and make some key defensive plays, you know, down the stretch that those were some of the blocks and rebounds were big. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that I talked with Spencer McLaughlin who covers Oregon just to get a sense of what his first year was like. And his assessment was that, you know, Kalel started out really well offensively, but the offense really stagnated as the season went on. And his assessment, Spencer's assessment, was that the defense really improved, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the shot blocking and just understanding where he needed to be. And that, of course, will be music to, to Indiana fans' ears uh, from yeah. a defensive perspective. But, 
you know, clearly the offense is what is tantalizing. When you see a guy that size that, you know, can shoot like that, that has that variety of skills, it's extremely enticing. You know, you look at the shooting percentages this year, and they weren't exactly what you would want, but this is also a freshman, you know, adjusting to college. And I'm just curious, having watched him in high school, you know, he shot, I think, like 27% from, you know, from three-point range. I know struggled with his turnaround jumper a little bit. How confident are you that, you know, now with that freshman season under his belt, getting more comfortable, putting more work in, that some of that will kind of start to to come back? You know, I, I think it will. Um, you know, you, you mentioned 27%. Uh, I, I did think he did a good job, especially in that tournament, of making some big ones and stepping out. Um, he's not afraid to shoot it. Uh, and I was just telling somebody the other day, um, you know, three point shooting and free throw shooting is just getting in the gym and doing it, you know, and, and, but he has some natural ability and he has a good stroke for a seven footer. So I think that's one of the things that would set him apart from everybody else that will make him a good NBA player and a standout at Indiana is if he can go out and knock that down with a little bit more regularity than 27%. But, but even then, you know, in high school, he made them when they needed them. And, uh, you know, to be out there and to shoot those, it opens up things for everybody else. When you're when you're out there and you're pulling the big guy out, that kind of frees up the middle. You know, Nick Smith would take advantage of that because they'd have to guard him out on the perimeter. So um, I think that that would be a point of emphasis if I was him is, you know, this summer is to to shoot a lot of threes. I and mean, it's, you know, just like Indiana native Larry Bird, you can lock yourself in the gym and shoot those. Um, but, you know, we're seeing more and more big guys, tall guys shooting that. And, uh, but, but I think that's that to me, when I, when, when he put on that show in Pine Bluff, I thought if he can do that on a regular basis, he he's a shoe in for the NBA because they, they love the big guys that can move and, and can shoot. So, you know, I probably disappointing on how things worked in Oregon, but you know, like I said, I think a lot of that was mental. And I think you get down on yourself and the coach is down on you. And then, you know, offense is a lot of flow and movement and um, how you fit in and where you are, and that's all mental too. The defense is just kind of reading it and being seven foot and blocking the shots. And then that that's that's something that he was very aggressive on the boards and very aggressive, you know, in that patrol and that paint. So I think if, you know, he's, he's showed a knack for that at Oregon, it sounds like too. So if he can just – uh, get his touch around the basket a little bit better on the turnaround. That'll be lethal. And then he can step out and shoot some threes. I mean, I think he could really, really be, you know, a big impact guy for them and be like a newcomer of the year type guy. If he can relax a little bit, feel part of the offense, <clears throat> excuse me, and have the confidence from Woodson and the staff, you know, that he is part of the team and and that they're going to nurture him and, you know, what, what, what do you hear on that as far as uh, how some of those talks went? Because I think that's, like I mentioned in my column, th- those parties have to be on the same page. Do you feel like Indiana and he are on the same page as far as, you know, what happened before and what's going to happen in the future? I think, you know, Mike Woodson is now entering his third year as Indiana's coach. And, you know, there have been some questions about the offensive system that he's running and how is he adjusting to college from the NBA and those different kinds of things. The one thing that he has definitely proven time and time again is he's able to build relationships with players and get the best out of them. And I think where Indiana fans have a lot of uh, reason for optimism is, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is a guy that even back to high school, tons of physical talent, had questions about his motor. And even in his first couple years of college and what Mike Woodson did, you know, to help trace kind of pull out the best of himself as a junior and a senior, uh, I think is very instructive here for what he could do with a guy like Kalel. similar with Malik Renew, who's a highly regarded freshman last year, uh, you know, struggled in December, kind of understanding how hard he needed to play. And, you know, Coach Woodson mentioned it in the postgame publicly, but it was so I was really struck reading Dana Altman's comments and thinking back to what Coach Woodson said about Malik Renew, how different it was. Like with, you know, Dana Altman's comments about Kalel were dismissive almost to the point of being mean, I thought when I read it. I was like, wow, a coach said that about him. And, you know, Woody's comments were almost more 
tough love, but you didn't mistake yeah. that there was love there, right? And yeah, you yeah, started sure. to see that come around for Malik, you know, and, and he'd mentioned, you know, some private conversations. And so I think, uh, you know, the biggest reason for optimism, I mean, in addition to all of Kalel's just natural tools, which are, you know, breathtaking, is the fact that I think this is a situation that profiles as one based on what he just went through at Oregon that should be really positive based on what Coach yeah. Woodson has already demonstrated oh. with the other bigs he's coached. Yeah, and I, I I think they need to know that you know this guy needs a little pat on the butt. I think, and I think he, you know, sometimes you need to light a fire under guys, and sometimes you need to pat him on the butt. Yeah, and I and I think Johnny Rice was real good at patting him on the butt, and and just saying, "Come on, let you know, you're you, you can be here, you're here, you can be here. So let's let's do it together and let's get it done." And they did, you know, and they made a marked improvement, and and um. I think the other thing, you know, we see in Arkansas here that Eric Musselman's experience in the NBA has drawn kids here mm -hmm. because they know that he knows how to get them to the NBA. I think Woodson's knowledge of the NBA could help Khalil a lot. He's coached big men. The other thing that you, you've got to mention when you, you know, you've seen big men and you see offensive linemen and stuff, it, you know, big guys are different temperaments, you know? Yeah. And, and they, they're a, di they're different than a two guard or a point guard, you know, they're not known for running all around and being energetic, you know, it, it, so mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to keep that in mind too. I mean, Kalel wouldn't be the first big guy that's a little ginger, you know? So, um, I think it's just, you know, what's an unlock, you know, unlocking that key uh, or unlocking that lock with the key and, and, and having a good relationship with him where he feels there's trust there. And, uh, you know, that he has confidence. The staff is going to try to nurture him. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you agree with me on, on Altman. And, you know, I, I've, I've followed him all the way back to Kansas state days. And, you know, he came to Arkansas for like an hour. He yeah. took the job and then left, went back to Creighton. And you, know, you mentioned the name Dane Altman in Arkansas. That's a whole nother story, but uh, uh, I do respect him as a coach, mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like the entire year was, was um, frustrating for him. And I think he took a little bit out of it on Khalil. And I just, yeah, those, those two comments were not good. And I think as an adult would anger me as a 19 year old kid would anger me even more. So, um, you know, I think you could tell midway through that he wasn't coming back. Uh, yeah. and you know, I hope it works out for him here. The one thing that I was interested in, Indiana kind of came out of nowhere. I, I didn't, didn't. Yeah. have any idea that indiana was in play came out of nowhere for I, us I, too honestly. yeah well <laughs> and i don't know what the connections there and probably at some point we'll kind of you guys will probably figure that out when there's more talk on how that kind of came around well but, you know i think we know some of it which is you know okay. you see rosemond who is indiana's assistant coached at oregon uh under uh kent when he was there no okay. i don't know you know personal connections what personal connections he still has at oregon but you okay. know he played there um, you know, and then Ernie Kent was the, was the coach there. Right. right. Um, and so I know he kind of took the lead, uh, you know, and it sounds like it started out as a very, you know, kind of cold contact, but they yeah. really sold him on the idea of, you know, how they would use him. Um, and I think that, you know, the relationship building and what, you know, coach Woodson could help him do in the NBA. And it became, you know, very, a very compelling sales pitch for him. And plus, you know, coming off of just having Trace Jackson Davis do what he did, and, you know, and I think, you know, I wonder how much it affected him at Oregon that they had, you know, two other highly regarded 6'11 or taller guys, you know, so yeah. there was a lot of competition there. And it's right. not to say that, you know, he's a guy who shies away from competition, but I mean, at Indiana, he's going to have that spot. You know, we have a couple of other big guys who can play, but, you know, he's going to have that spot and I think be able to probably play through mistakes more than maybe he was allowed to do at Oregon. Yeah. I think that'll help his growth a lot. And I think when you know that you're always looking behind your, you know, and you're looking at the bench and you see two guys that are about to come in, I, I think it was probably 90% mental yeah, confidence, frustration, and being able to try to get into the flow of the game. And then you're not really able to, because you're still trying to learn the offense and you're worried about the coach and you're worried about the competition that, and being on the outside looking in and not really having any expertise or, you know, inside information. That's what I would say. And, it, you know, if you, you're telling me that he can come in, be the guy, 
you can make some mistakes and you're not going to get immediately benched or lose your spot. I think that's a good position for him to be in. You know, the, the, the thing with Indiana that kind of struck me was, so I think the other thing that he might not have realized is how far Eugene, Oregon is. I mean, that's a long way. That's a couple, a couple of plane trips, uh, you know, layovers, uh, getting there. And, uh, I think it might, that reality might've hit him, you know, when he, when his parents left and then he doesn't have the guy that recruited in there. So I sort of expected that this next landing spot would be close and Indiana really isn't close either. So I guess that wasn't a factor, but you know, when I look at it too, there aren't a lot of places that he could have gone that were close. I mean, Arkansas was something that a lot of people mentioned, but I think that was sort of a mutual thing that neither party, I don't know this for sure, but maybe neither one was that interested in each other. Um, I don't know that, but that there was some talk immediately about Arkansas when he, when he transferred and then it kind of really cooled down. And, um, you know, Musselman is contacting all the top players in the portal and a lot of them are listing. And so I kind of felt like maybe that was neither one of them was really that interested maybe in that. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly why, but, uh, when you look at it, then there's not a lot of places that are premier programs that are close. So, you know, he must have the confidence that, you know, he can be at a place further away. Maybe that year away um, taught him something. And it does make a real difference if you feel like you've got somebody that's on your side, yep. you know, and the assistant you mentioned, uh, Woodson. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, you it if you're lonely, it's even worse and you're far away. It's even worse when things aren't going well and you don't have somebody there to say, Hey, things are going to get better tomorrow. You know, practice will be better tomorrow. And you don't have that. And I think that's something he definitely needs his personality, his uh, soft spoken nature. I think he needs somebody. And I think that's something that probably as he gets a little older, you know, maybe this year, maybe he breaks out of that shell a little bit more. And after being gone, you know, it's common with college kids. I think that, you're away from home for a year. The second year is a little different than your maturity yeah. level. So I think all in all, I, I expect for him to do really well there. I think this is a good situation for him basketball wise. And I think that he'll take the year that he had and learn from it. And I, I think personally, I mean, obviously he wants to win came from a winning program in high school, but this guy wants to play in the NBA. Yep. You know, and, and, and he knows that he, he goes back to that conversation that he had with Johnny Rice. He can make millions. I mean, he could be a lottery pick if mm-hmm. things fall into place. And so I, I think that's definitely something that's probably in the back of his mind. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and look, it's not, it would not be unprecedented for any freshman, but especially a big to struggle in his first season, <clears throat> transfer and find a better fit. You know, it just happened with Walker Kessler who went to yep. North Carolina, did very little, transfers to Auburn, has a great sophomore season, goes to the NBA, and now he's an all-NBA rookie this year. Yeah. You know, the situation, the fit really does matter. Um, yep. And so, you know, it and I think, I think that's why a lot of folks really liked your article because, you know, you didn't hesitate to, you know, push back and say, hey, Kalel has some responsibility here and he's, you know, got to do certain things to make this work. But, you know, before we just, you know throw all these aspersions at the kid and just look at his numbers and say, wow, six points, four boards. What's so great about getting this guy? It's like, well, you know, let's look, let's take a deeper look into his past. Maybe that, you know, six month time period at Oregon isn't the best snapshot of who he actually is as a player. Hey, there's two sides to every story. Um, You know, he was diplomatic on his way out and he thanked the coaches, which I thought was very mature. But I think if you were able to, at some point, maybe when water is under the bridge, and he's talking a little bit more objectively about that time, probably would say that he didn't like how he was treated. And, um, yeah. you know, that that's that's a big deal. And, you know, those comments, that th- those two comments, I think, shed a lot of light on what was going on, a lot of frustration, and he, he kind of, you know, opened up in public. And Kalel never did. I think that was smart of him to not do that. I think if he had lashed out, I mean, I think he was very calculated with that, knowing that he's getting ready to play for another coach. The other thing I'm sure of, and I alluded to this in the column, that the inner workings of that relationship and what happened were probably laid on the table at 
Indiana, you mm-hmm. know, Hey, this is really, this is what happened. And this is, this is my side of it. I mean, they would be remiss if they didn't ask him. And I think he would be remiss if he wasn't honest with them. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he's there because they had an open and honest conversation about what happened and the comments that were made because those didn't make him look too good. But um, there are two sides, every story. And he probably got to tell that to them. And, you know, that that's what I said in the column is that the new coach, uh, Woodson in this case, um, they both need to be on the same page. They kind of, they need to be on the same page when he comes in there about what the expectations are and how things are going to be. And I think that what you've laid out as far as uh, his role and having that spot, meaning, you know, if that was kind of mentioned to him, um, you know, I, I think he, both parties, walked away feeling good about the terms and that that could go a long way to, to success for him and the team next year. Yeah. A couple final questions here. Really appreciate yeah. your time. This has been incredible. Oh, no, it's, it, I'm happy to do it. Um, you do a great show by the way, and I'm going to have to watch it a little bit more. I, I just, I like watching good sports stuff and um, you know, and, and now with, with him being in Indiana, obviously we'll be paying a little more attention uh, to, to what, what goes on there. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought you gave incredible insight earlier, having watched him so much in high school, you know, talking about how he has this knack for making clutch three-pointers, you know, which is not yeah. something that we really would have known. What are some other things that you know of his game? Maybe things that he can do that, you know, he didn't really get a chance to show at Oregon, but as he blossoms in terms of confidence and comfort in his role that we may start to see. The shot blocking. Yeah. Shot blocking. Uh, very, very good shot blocker. And, and, as you would expect, somebody that's seven feet playing against smaller guys, you know, not not just taking that for granted. I mean, still going after it like he's playing against somebody at six eight or six nine, you know, uh, in the paint. Um, also, you know, a guy that can pass it a little bit too in there. And uh, you know, I the your the B rider mentions you know about the turnaround jumper. I I thought he looked pretty comfortable. And high school and college is a big jump. I mean, you go from. 6A high school in Arkansas, the Pac-12, it's a big difference. But um, I thought he operated pretty well in there. Um, I thought his post moves were pretty good. But the being able to come out on the perimeter and shoot the ball and then handle it and maybe take it to the basket some is something that, you know, if you was to polish that, really, really can set himself apart because he is he's not a, a bulky seven-foot, but he's also not frail either. He He has athleticism. So, you know, he, he could potentially be a guy that can take it off the dribble, handle it a little bit, and can shoot it out there. And like I said before, that opens up the whole offense when you've got a guy that's that big because that big has to come out and guard him. Uh, it opens up if you've got a good slasher. It opens up the lane. So I, I think that that I saw a good glimpse of that. I mean, that's what really in that tournament when I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, this you don't see this every day. And he played with a lot of intensity. Um, he also played really well down in Florida that year against IMG, and they had some studs. They didn't do as well in that game, but he had a tr- terrific game. I mean, uh, Johnny Rice, I think, 19 points in that game. Well, and uh, you know he he really showed out there. So I think when there's when there's good competition, that even kind of lights his fire a little bit more. But I I really watched that to see you know when you read about somebody that maybe the motor, you know, I think like you, you and I, and you've seen so many games, you, you can kind of watch that to see it. I do that in football a lot, like offensive linemen, you know, how do they, how do they, you know, each play, are they firing off the ball? Cause you don't usually watch that, but you know, some of these big, these big recruits, you know, you watch that and you can tell a lot. And I, I really watched him and I never really saw many signs of him taking easy. Um, yeah. I thought he last year he was all in. Um, and, and so, but yeah, I, I think, I think the mid range game, the three point stuff really sticks out to me that, um, if he fine tunes it, um, and, and I think all that's comfort. And the other thing is, you know, if you come out and you're not successful right away and you're already upset about stuff, it just, I mean, you know, it sports is, you know, probably 80% mental. I mean, really. And if you are in a good, if you feel good, 
that goes a long way to playing well. You know, you feel confident and things are going and you get a little bit of success. Um, and I think the early going at Indiana is going to be really key for him. If he can get hot right away, you know, there might be some learning curve there, but you can get off to a good start and feel good, um, you know, and be, be ready for that big 10 season. Um, you know, I think he gave me well on his way. Well, it's been the one of the biggest changes in IU basketball under Mike Woodson in the last two years. You know, we spent the previous four years under Archie Miller, where every player seemed to clench the ball so tight and not play with confidence. And it's been so noticeable how under Mike Woodson, guys have really blossomed with confidence and playing with more freedom. Um, and so, you know, hopefully that's obviously something that rubs off on Kalel because he's got all yeah. those natural skills, man. If he can put it together, exactly. it's going to no, be. And, and I, I think that's probably even more important for him. But, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I started this 25 years ago. And the thing that I've noticed in high school and in college is that, you know, players don't want to play for a hard butt, you know, that and and you, <laughs> there's a different way to say that. And I won't say that on here, but, you know, they don't do that. They don't like that anymore, you know, and, and coaches have had to change. And I know some coaches haven't wanted to change it. Some high school coaches are not going to change. They're going to always be. But I even, you know, I'm around a lot of high school coaches, and I even think that a lot of guys have mellowed out a little bit more because they know that kids are not going to respond to the screaming and the punishments and all that. I mean, you have to run a tight program. You have to have respect, and you have to have guys that are going to follow the rules and be in line. But you don't have to be a tyrant. And yeah. and I don't think kids, especially kids with the ability of Khalil, they're, they're not interested in playing for somebody like that. Um, and you're going to get a lot more out of kids these days if you're, you know, cool with them and, you know, you see what Musselman does on Twitter and everything. And I think Musselman is a different guy behind closed doors. I mean, he's a little tougher, but, I mean, he he's marketing to these kids, you know, like, hey, you know, uh, and his, his wife and daughter are even involved in it with yeah. a lot of stuff on TikTok and Twitter. And, and, and he's a player coach. Um, and so I, th I think, you know, that, that that's the kind of guy, you know, if Woodson's like that, I think that will go a long way. And that's probably one of the reasons why Kalel, he's probably, you know, the distance probably doesn't mean as much to him right now. It's, it's the right fit basketball wise, but more importantly, somebody that's going to be in his corner. And I think with, with what you've mentioned about the way he's operated, it, that sounds like that's exactly what he needs. Yeah. I mean, Woodson is Woodson is such a unique character. He is decidedly old school. There's no question about it. And he's not going to put up with a lot of BS, but he's just got this kind of cool charisma about him, you know, and he's yeah. good at building relationships that I think allows him to press guys buttons because they like him and they know that he cares and he's built that relationship. Yeah. And I think that's how Muslim is too. I think you yeah. know, he can be a little more, you know, when you get to campus, it's not all the selfies and twitter anymore but he is he does have a playful side to him and uh and i think guys like that and 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 like you said you you can't be completely loose i mean you've got to you know yell a little bit and you that you wouldn't be a coach if you didn't do that but and yeah. and probably the other thing that's helped woodson is being in the nba a little bit too no doubt that's a, yeah i think that's helped muscleman and um to relate to guys because you got to coach them differently and um you know, no doubt uh, guys are going to Indiana because they know that he can help them get to the NBA. I mean, I think that's important. A lot of kids, that's what they're after. So um, that's yep. probably a feather in his cap. The other thing I will say, you know, to watch for next year when you're watching IU games, you know, one of the one of the other things that, you know, I talked with Spencer who covers Oregon, you know, he mentioned how in flux their guard play was. And they had one upperclassman who was there most of the year, but a lot of flux otherwise. And we know how important guard play is for bigs uh, in college basketball. And Indiana is supposed to, fingers crossed, uh, get a, a medical hardship waiver for Xavier Johnson, who was supposed to be the starting point guard last year, got hurt. He'll be back, and he is you know, going to be one of the best point guards in college basketball next year, great in the pick and roll, and watching those two guys in the pick and roll. Because with Trace, it was all about rolling and finding him on lobs, and the two of them were great at that. We have not had a big who could actually pop. And so actually being able to roll or pop and just everything that that's going to bring 
with the way that X can read it and distribute the ball, those two are going to yeah. be a really tough combination for defenses to handle. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, assuming that they're you know, assuming X is back, which I think he will be. Well, and I, you know, I think that kind of goes back to Nick Smith, you know, the uh, similar type player or slasher that, uh, yeah. Those two played well together at North Little Rock. I mean, they, you know, Nick would pass in the ball, and there was never there was never a problem of, you know, who, who's shooting, um, you know, and 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 Smith, he, he's he's a good guy. He had some problems with injuries this year, but you can tell he's a he's a a different kind of guy too, and he wants to win. And so, yeah. you know, if, if where is it, you know, opening the post, he's going to get the ball. I don't remember a lot of you know, the two man game with them, but there probably was some of that, but I, th- I think that's something that he can do. I, they, they definitely worked in concert together at, at times. I don't know if it was always on that pick and roll or pick and pop, but yeah, you, you talk about being able to step out and shoot that. If you can shoot that with some regularity, there's, it's going to be hard to guard him. And so I would be very surprised uh, I'd put a pork tenderloin sandwich on it. I think I was really the one that started that. You, Indiana, you claim that, but I'll put I'll put a pork tenderloin sandwich on the fact that uh, he's going to shoot a lot of three pointers this summer. Um, yeah, and and that, I think that that will help a lot. And if that if he comes back, that could be a really tough play to defend. Um, yes, if you can shoot about thirty four percent maybe from there. As a seven footer, that would be big. I'll take that all day long. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's got the potential to do it. I, you know, I think the big thing about three point shooting is having the confidence to shoot it. Yep. Don't you? I mean, just to you know, you feel confident to shoot the ball, and you don't. You know, the good shooters, you get open, you shoot it. You don't wait and think about it. And I think he showed me at times that you know he doesn't hesitate to shoot the basketball. So yep. I think yep. that he's on the he's got the right um mindset and you know obviously that was that was sort of taken back a little bit at Oregon but now if you can get back into that knock a couple down in some games early and get in the flow of the game in practice you know um that that that's a good weapon I mean and that and yeah I I don't think there's any question that that's going to be something he's working on and then some of the low post moves and and all that but but and the 12, you know, the mid range game, I mean, he can knock those down too. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all comes together with him. Uh, I think defensively, you know, he already showed he could play at this level. Now what, what, what does he have in store for us offensively this year? You know, my biggest frustration with the way that his commitment has been covered by some who, you know, want to throw cold water on it for whatever reason is focusing on the six points and four boards per game. Instead of looking at the numbers that really matter, which is he had a block percentage of 8.9%, which was basically the same as Trace Jackson Davis's. He committed less than three fouls per 40 minutes, which is a great number for a freshman who often struggle with that. And I'm not that worried about the 27% from three-point range. I'm more focused on the fact that he took 55 of them. Because what that Mm -hmm. shows is even though he was missing them, he still had the confidence to keep taking them. And that is a much better sign for a freshman than percentage in terms of what you project at once you're, you know, a sophomore, junior, senior. So if I were an IU fan, which I am, and I'm telling our listeners, focus yeah, on sure. those numbers. That's why I'm excited about him. The, you know, the counting stats, you know, that there's too much other contextualized stuff that gets into there. Look at the well, rate stats, I think, are much more telling of the kind of player he is. Yeah. And, and not to just beat a dead horse, but I think that he was troubled, yeah. you know, and that it's hard to put up stats when you're, upset and don't feel good uh, yep. mentally. Um, and and I don't think he played with a lot of confidence. And offense is a lot of confidence. Uh, the shooting and, you know, if you miss some, are you going to be taken out? And yeah, so I, I think he really can take a lot of that and just wipe it off the chalkboard. Um, and I think that's what he needs to do. You take some of the things that you learn, but Pretty much, you got a clean slate, and you don't need to worry about it. And I think we're 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 from an era where these guys are highly touted. We don't want them to average twenty five points and ten rebounds a game right off the bat. Yeah, there have been guys that have done that, and there are very talented kids. But there are still a lot of kids that are nineteen years old that are not going to be NBA players overnight. But I think we got spoiled, you know, Kentucky, the one and dones, and guys, you know, 
there's going to still be Khalil Wears. And, you know, Arkansas had a kid that top 70 kid, uh, Gatorade player of the year here that didn't play much for Arkansas this year. And people were kind of, you know, upset about that. Well, there was a day where a guy probably happened in Indiana history where guys didn't come in right away as freshmen and be all Americans, you know? So I think it's okay. What happened out there is okay. And I wouldn't be, if I'm an Indiana fan, I'm not like, why did we sign this guy? You signed him because of what he did at the Hoop Summit and what he did at the McDonald's All-American game. And talk to some of those scouts that were there. Yeah. Um, what happened at Oregon was, you know, probably just a byproduct of not being on the same page with the coach. And Kalel will not be the first guy and won't be the last that that happens to. It's it the fit is very important. And I think that that a lot of guys, you know, don't understand that. Some guys are in love with the uniforms or the arena or um, maybe the style of play, but or or the number of guys that are going to the NBA or the NFL, but they don't they don't take time to look at some of the smaller things about the campus, the classes, and the coach, yeah, and the staff, and um, you know that that's really important. And it, it, but you know, you're 18 years old and you're doing it for the first time. I think the portal is giving you kids another chance because before it wasn't as easy as just transferring. You had to wait a year and all that. Mm -hmm. I think that's been a good thing for kids because, you know, a lot of kids have made mistakes. You talked about Kessler, you know, he got a second chance. Now Kalel gets a second chance. And you're not always in life. You don't always get things right the first time, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you, when you're picking a college, I mean, how many kids pick a college for academics and go there and don't like it too. It's just, you don't, you don't, a lot of that stuff, you don't know until you get there. And, um, but I think, I think the Crutchfield piece was very key when he yeah. got the job at Omaha and, you know, Kalel came out his, I think his mom came out and said, we're still solidly committed. And I kind of thought, well, maybe you shouldn't be, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, that, that, that look, but at that point, I don't, you know, it's hard to walk back at that point in May. Yeah. You kind of have to make the best of it. But yeah. That was that was a that was a blow to him personally and I think it played out that way. So um but you know, he's got another chance and and it just everything that you're telling me it just sounds like he picked a good place to be. I think so. I it looks like a good fit, you know, and so we'll obviously have to see it play out and I get, you know, some fans who want to be cautious about it and wait to see and that's totally fine. Um, but I think really no, digging I think into fine. it. I mean, you know, and, and like I said, if there was something that, that was wrong with him at Oregon, he needs to fix it. Yeah. You know, he was standoffish or he, but it really didn't come across that way to me. It came, you know, Altman came off like somebody that was really upset about the program in general and was taking it out on him. You know, you saw that he kind of went on a rant with the fans, you know, because they didn't show up for the NIT. One of our co-hosts, we did a show the night that Kalel committed. And one of our co-hosts said, it almost felt like Dana Altman was trying to get fired this season. <laughs> like by the yeah. way that he was acting. Well, I mean, he, yeah, you know, that's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. He was frustrated by different things. And to think Kalel was collateral damage for that. You know, a yeah. guy that he wants to come in and be like gangbusters right away and it's not happening and he's not pulling the right strings. I, you know, I read some stuff that said that that's supposed to be his trademark to be able to work with guys and get them to, I didn't know that, but um, hmm. that's what I kind of had read. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens now. That's, uh, you know, see what happens in Indiana and uh, uh Go It'll be there. fun to watch. We haven't had a player like him maybe ever. I mean, with those kind of physical traits. So it's going to be a mm-hmm. lot of fun to watch. Well, he does. Offer. I mean, there aren't many guys like that around. I mean, that's, no. <laughs> I saw him for the first time and, and go, go look at a picture of Lou Alcinder, not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcinder, yeah. 17 year old Lou Alcinder. And then put that picture with a full body picture of Khalil. It looks almost, I mean, I mentioned that to a high school coach. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah, they were very similar body features, and I think Kalel's you know matured and put on a little bit more weight. And that's another thing I think that could help him is being in the weight room yep. to get a little stronger. I just I don't I mean even if you've got a finesse kind of game, 
I don't think you can be strong enough to play major college basketball. It's a physical game, even especially the Big Ten playing on the perimeter. Yeah. So I think if you're kind of, I wouldn't even really say he's slight a build though. I would kind of describe him as rangy, I guess. Yeah. But he, he he's 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 slender, but not but not skinny. Like like Chet Holmgren was, you know, like skinny. yeah, yeah. And Kalil is more mention, solid than he's that. He's not Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I mean, Chet Holgren can stand the gain about. I just saw a picture of him the other day that looks like he's put on 30 pounds, maybe, but really? that's still, he still got, looks like maybe 20, but yeah. it looks like he still has room to put more on. But it, but there's a significant difference between last year or during the summer training. It was the summer league, and then now they showed two pictures. Yeah. Very much different. And I, and I think that's something that that can happen with with him too is that he'll put on some good muscle, but he's not in the position of I've got to put a, take a bunch of weight gainer because I'm a stick. I mean he no, no he, he he is he is rangy but not too thin, um, but could put on you know ten pounds, fifteen pounds of muscle would look good on him. So let me get you out of here on this because you, as I mentioned at the top, you work for SB Live and you cover. Yeah. Arkansas, Iowa, and Nebraska, I believe. Yep. And you just yep. told me SB Live is coming to Indiana to we're here. provide they're, recruiting they're, coverage. They're in Indiana. Yeah, it started yeah. the school year. Um, we're in 22 states, partner with Sports Illustrated, uh, good prep coverage. So a lot of your uh, viewers that that, cover, that like Indiana, you mean, in, I know you probably have kids in high school or you follow that with, with kids that are coming on to play at the Hoosiers, you know, and it's all sports, football, basketball, you know, male female i think that's something we do a good job too is is covering the the um the female sports and and some of the olympic sports too just cover everything not there's a lot of sites cover football a lot of sites cover basketball you know we cover the whole school year uh get as many names as there as possible Uh, a lot of lists like top you know position lists for all the sports on the top players and then we let the fans vote on those there's an athlete of the week feature every week you know, taking kids from different sports and highlighting them. So I think this is something that when the fans in Indiana, when they see it, it'll, it'll, they'll like it and it's, it's all free. There's no paywall. So um, we're going to get more and more involved in it. Um, When you start off, it's kind of, you're crawling, but um, expect more stuff and more coverage next year. Um, The guy that covers, you know, Indiana, that's the regional editor. That's how we do this break it up in regions. So I've, you know, Arkansas, Iowa, Nebraska, and I've got freelancers that write in those States, Nate Latch, who has uh, got a, a strong uh, uh, background with, with college and high school sports in St. Louis is the regional editor for Missouri, Indiana, and Illinois. So right. he has some boots on the ground in Indiana, but I, I understand that he went to the Indiana state basketball championships, which oh, did he? is another bucket list item of mine. To go to, you know, that day is always insane. Obviously, the movie Hoosiers. I think that had an impact on a lot of sports junkies. Uh, yeah, one want to would love to see that. Love to go to a Texas high school football playoff game. Would love to see an Indiana high school basketball. I think those are the two kind of watermarks for for high school sports. You know, basketball and football. But um, yeah, Nate was there. The other Nate. So uh, yeah, look look for more stuff on there. Um, Scorebooklive.com backslash Indiana. Scorebooklive, you you said, is the URL? Yes. Scorebooklive.com backslash Indiana. And, you know, also, you know, our national site, if you're just looking for recruiting stuff, I mean, it's a very, very professional, legit national site. We've grown in three years immensely. And one of the things that we do in our business model is we partner with athletic associations in the high school ranks uh, do a lot of data stuff for them. Then we've got the content side. So we're eight states we're partnered in. We obviously have content in those. And then there's other states where we have content, but we don't have the association piece. But you know, we're constantly working on that. So th- this is a company on the rise. Um, and I, I think it's just going to get bigger and better in Indiana too. Very cool. Yeah, we'll check that out. I'll put that link in the show notes, scorebooklive.com slash Indiana. Nate, this was incredibly insightful. Really appreciate you know the ability to do this on a quick turnaround. I just messaged you yeah. yesterday, and here we are today. So I think our audience is really going to like this and learn a lot from it. So I really appreciate your time and your insight. No, no, I appreciate you having me, and 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 I wish uh, I wish Quill and Indiana all the best of luck, and I'll uh, 
be tuning into the Big Ten Network and uh, be tuning into your show to see what's what's happening. Hopefully, it's uh, good, positive stuff for him and the Hoosiers. I hope so. I hope so. Nate, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You bet. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.